Hey friends, thank you so much for the last two years of support of Digging for Bones. You know, now I do have a partnership with Mr. S Leather and one of the ways that you can support the show is to head over to my website, diggingforbones.com and order any of your gear through the link to Mr. S Leather right from my website. Uh, I also have another partnership with friend Dorothy where you can get 10% off. All of the information is on my website. I'm never going to put this podcast behind a paywall. I know that's a trend that people are doing right now. I want to keep it free. So you can support by just going and doing the regular shopping you're already doing right on my website. Cheers. This is Tucker Max and welcome to episode nine of Digging for Bones. Today's episode, I interviewed the one and only Luca Hunter. Luca is a model who you'll be familiar with his work on Nasty Pig or Breedwell. It was a fantastic interview. We really got to know each other on the call. We talked about pups, hyenas, a lot about Luca's personal life as well as mine. Um, and it's just a hot episode that I think you're all going to enjoy. So cheers. Hi friends, welcome to episode nine of Digging for Bones. I am Tucker Max, and today's guest I have on with us, Luca Hunter. Uh, Luca's pretty famous for a lot of modeling and work online, Um, but Luca, I'll I'll let you introduce yourself. Who are you? All right, so yeah, hey everyone, thanks for having me. Um, So yeah, I'm Luca Hunter. I bill myself as uh, Northern Kentucky's premier gay hyena, um, is what I say. And I am a, I don't know, I'm a model slash stripper slash um, OnlyFans creator slash uh, go-go, I don't know, I'll, anything in that category I will do. Um, so I, I guess that's the best introduction I can give to me. Right yeah, now, but... I, I love it. You're a sexy puppy too. I've always loved that part about you. Uh, oh yeah, I... I love the whole pup thing too, but um, yeah, that's kind of like... I, I've I've done pup for a while. I started with with the pup play community. I think starting in like 2018, um, so well before any of this started. And in addition to like the furry community and stuff, um, so that's been ongoing for a while. But I feel like my presence in any sort of way that people would know me has been really just uh, the past year. Um, yeah, you've definitely blown up. Where did hyena come from? Uh, so. I started off in this whole sphere, really, with the whole, like, furry thing. Um, and I, I decided pretty early on that I was some category of hyena. I like the whole, like, punk vibe that hyenas are and stuff. Um, and I don't really know what initially drew me to the whole furry thing either. It really, um, it took off during COVID when, you know, everyone was going through a lot of isolation. And I, I, I've noticed, like, a bunch of other kink communities really kicked off during COVID, too. Um, and, and for me, uh, furry was like what I was primarily attracted to and stuff during that time. So I chose uh, hyena and I, you know, commissioned a bunch of art and everything of my fursona. Um, and it was a really for me to have some kind of like creative outlet during this time that everyone was isolated and no one was doing anything. Um, but I, I also think I chose hyena because like it wasn't really taken by any, any like um, – you know, gay men identify as animals a lot, you know, the whole like bear otter thing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just chose hyena. It wasn't taken. So now I'm a hyena. That's what I say. But people ask that all the time, you know, what do you mean hyena? And I I really say, I don't really mean anything by it. Actually. It's just Um, a persona. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's been also really weird. Um, having people, outside of the gay community talked to me about the whole hyena thing too because i had a little bit of a of an issue at in my professional life uh earlier this year when my supervisor came up to me and she found out all of these things that i do on the side um and it's not a thing where it's you know technically against the rules in my job or anything but she was asking me all these questions about it and she found the hyena thing and she asked um she asked me does hyena mean something and I, I said, what do you mean? And she, and she uh, implied that, like, she, she heard from someone that identifying as a hyena was a thing where you were someone who basically was a sugar baby <laughs> in, like, the pet play community. And I was like, no. Oh, no, that's not me. 
not that it's a terrible thing to be or anything, but it was just a very strange uh, thing that I'd never heard before. So have you heard that? I've never no, heard that before. No, I haven't. But I always find it funny to see how straight people interpret gay flagging. And <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Like, yeah, the questions are so are so wild sometimes. And this past year with, with doing all this stuff, it's really... I, I think I used to be very much in the category of like... Um, Oh yeah, gay life and straight life aren't that different. I, I feel like now I'm just like, oh god, it is a totally different life. I feel like, like I, I can't talk about any of these things to, to straight people, and you know, without a massive explanation. Um, yeah, which is you know, it's funny and it's fun, and I I do actually really like it. I can relate with that. I it's either a massive explanation or they somehow feel entitled to that explanation too, which is another thing all on its own. But it's it is it is it is interesting. After my divorce, when I was married, I played the game and I was like, and I was in love and I wanted to do the whole like, you know, we are like everybody else. And then since then, especially in the last six months, and finding kink and my puppy side, and it's not the same at all <laughs> it's yeah. a whole other world out like, there like i have really felt like the most basic things for us are shocking sometimes to like to straight people and i i kind of love that me too but me yeah fucking too um well that's cool so you start with the pup and the furry thing i didn't know the furry part about you that's fascinating it's so fun too because in the pup world I mean, I, I stress this a lot. I'm not an expert. I am still learning. But if there's anything I have learned, especially in the podcast, is pup is like pet play in itself. It's different for everybody. Like, and I think people get hung up on these like TikTok videos and people trying to explain the community. And those are great resources to get some of the common language. But at the end of the day, it is whatever you want it to mean to you. And it can look different for people and it can look different for communities. Cause even city by city, it kind of changes a little bit. Cause like the San Francisco pups are kind of in their own world compared to like the pups I've interacted here in Portland. I've talked yeah. to pups in Germany and they're just like freaky as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, like you were actually echoing something that I thought I would talk about during this because something that's a little bit bothered me since doing all of this is a kind of weird amount of gatekeeping for yeah. kink. Have you found that? I mean, you're pretty new to it. And I consider myself very new to all of this too. Um, but it, it bothers me when people want to pin it down to one thing. I know? think once upon a time it yeah. was so small and fringe that to find people who were like you you probably did have to adapt a little bit and get into something that was out of your comfort zone and maybe change a little bit so that you could fit in with a really small community and yeah. now that it's gone a little bit mainstream that every subcat the more subcategories mean more subcategories get which eventually break off into new categories and whenever those breakoffs happen, there's always a little bit of tension because people are like, don't want the change. And then other people are like, but this is my new thing and I'm here now and we want it right. to be this way and we don't have to do it that way. Um, and I think it's beautiful when that happens, but I've always noticed there can be some resistance with that. Yeah. Um, but and it, gatekeeping yeah. sucks and the whole old guard thing sucks. It's just time to move on. Like let and, things evolve. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it doesn't go away, is the thing. You know, like, we're, it, you're not destroying it by having something new. Yes, correct. You know, it still exists. It, it just, you know, I think a lot of them see it as destroying it. You know, and it's really not. It's just adding something extra. There was a pup in a chat I'm in for the cruise that's coming up. There's, like, a pup chat for the cruise. And someone's coming for the first time and he's like, oh, I haven't gotten into headspace and I really want to get into headspace. Well, blah, 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 if I need to be in headspace and I was like, you know, there's pups that like never go into a headspace. Like that's not if that's important to you, then I by all means. But like that's not like this requirement that you have to be in this like puppy headspace. So it's different for everybody. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah. And, and I think because I, I've never actually been a part of a physical pup community where I go out with other pups and everything. Um, I, I recently moved to um, 
so I'm located in Northern Kentucky right now, which is right next to Cincinnati. And the pup community here is really negligible. I think up in Columbus, it's a little bit bigger. Um, and of course, Cleveland and everything. But um, I love seeing pups out and stuff. Um, but I've never been a part of a greater pup community where there's any sort of, I don't know, inner communication about all of these things too. You know, it's always like, I see one pup out and we talk. That's been almost my extent of really like pup communication uh, for a while. That's fun. Oh, I love that. And that's cool. Like, I just thought too, I just, you had a video that went viral not too long ago. I think you were dancing on stage in your pup gear. That is you that I'm thinking. Oh yeah. So something that I do is um, I've done this, this, this part of, of things is, is maybe the weirdest in the last year for me because I don't consider myself really, really extroverted. Um, But as soon as my social media stuff started to get a little bit bigger, um, a bar here contacted me and asked me, would I ever consider like performing? Like, you know, what do you mean by performing? They're like, would you ever consider stripping? I was like, oh, I don't know. That's a lot. (laughs) Um, But, (laughs) but, you know, I, you know, I get a few drinks in me and stuff and start to vibe it and stuff. And I've, I've really started to love it. Um, But something I've started to do really within the last like two months, I guess, is I almost always do a pup number. Um, so I, I just strip as pup basically. And it's yeah. not a costume thing where I strip out of the pup part. You know what I mean? I leave it off on for the entire thing. Um, but you know, it's just normal stripping as a pup basically is what I feel it is. But mm-hmm. I try to like deliver my pup persona during the whole thing too. Um, but yeah, I love doing that. That's probably my favorite part of stripping actually when I get to do my pup stuff. I love it. I, I've, I've actually tried to explain to straight people sometimes when they're asking like, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I am a dog stripper, but not for dogs, but I'm not really stripping and it's just kind of online. So that I love that you can do a pup number. I've always, I've, that's something I've always wanted to do. So the fact you're doing that is so cool. I love that video, by the way. I thought it was so fucking funny. <laughs> Wait, do you, do you strip? I want to, I want to learn. I need to take lessons, but it's something I'm like super interested in. I used to not be a really good dancer. And I've lost a ton of weight and gotten really in the best shape of my life. And the last couple of times I've gone out and danced, I have a, a little bit more control and ability with my body I've never had before. And it's gotten attention. And I'm like, I want to take this a step further and maybe get money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if you ever want to get booked out here in Cincinnati, we're here for you. You would get booked here in a second. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I... I mean, it I is might. Cincinnati, but and I hate to talk down about Cincinnati. <laughs> I do like the city a lot, but but you definitely get booked here very easily. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, speaking of booking and all of that, how did you end up with Breedwell and Nasty Pig? Because that you do some amazing work with them. I have no idea how any of this really happened. Um, it was all an accident. Um, I started my, I started my Instagram, I guess a little more than a year ago. I started my, um, OnlyFans and Twitter like last November. So yeah, also a little more than a year ago. Um, but my Instagram started to do pretty well, I guess by accident. And then just one day Breedwell reached out to me and they were like, would you consider modeling for us? And I was like, okay, um, I've never done it before, but sure. Um, so we set up a date and I, I did it. Um, I guess my first shoot with them was last August. Um, and I really like the company. I like what they do. I like that. It's very unique. Um, and that they do lots of different things that you don't see other, I guess, gay brands do. You know what I mean? A lot of their stuff has started to be very functional too. Like, you know, they have these chocks, they call them, which are, you know, they have pockets, which is great. I, yeah. When you, when that first, Oh, when the hybrids first posted with the pockets, I lost my shit at work. I was like, a jock with pockets? No yeah. fucking way. <laughs> I know. It it shouldn't be that like life-changing, <laughs> but it is. It's it's amazing, actually. So yeah, that was like I'm really happy that they're doing this like functional thing now. And they have some cool things coming out in the future. I know they have like some stuff that would be applicable for us as maybe strippers. They have some like tearaway things that might be coming out soon, I'm hoping. 
That's um, awesome. Yeah, which would be really cool. I think they have like this pair of tearaway shorts that they're working on that you can actually form up into a backpack or something. I don't know. It sounds cool. And I've seen like the prototype, but I, I really want to see it work out and everything. So anyway, um, yeah, Breedwell reached out and I went and and did stuff for them. And um, I've been talking to Nasty Pigs uh, CEO, David Lauterstein, since about then. And he wanted me to come model for him. And I was like, all right, um, that sounds cool. And I, I've been very skeptical about any of these things actually happen. I guess I, um, you know, my, 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 uh, first instinct is to think like I'm being scammed. Yeah. <laughs> but we're like, this person isn't the real person that they are. Um, but I remember he reached out to me and he was like, hi, I'm the CEO of nasty pig. Have you heard of us? And I was like, yeah, yes, I've heard of nasty pig. Um, but yeah, so I've I've done two shoots for them, and I have a shoot coming up with them next month. Um, but I'm just really happy that they keep using me and stuff. And I've told them like I'm here for as long as you want to use me, and whenever you're done with me, and just throw me in the gutter and stuff, and that's fine. Like this, is, <laughs> I'm I'm along for the ride. I I like it a lot. So I definitely feel like they love you at this moment between you and Gunner Montana. I... <laughs> oh God, he's he's a star though. That guy. Like he, he takes such good pictures and stuff, and he's such a. I I like his. I don't know, I don't even know how to classify people's aesthetics. I like his aesthetic. That's what I'll say. He's That's got a good one. Like. He's very creative. And it's, yeah. yeah, the two of you on there. Yeah, it's great. And well, I love. He's someone who actually like works at it too. Is the thing you know what I yes. mean? Yes. And I feel so because you were just talking about like stripping and practicing, and I feel so schlubby some of the times, because I. I literally most of the time just go out and vibe it. Yep. Like, and, and like, I want to get better at it and I'm taking a brief hiatus coming up here from stripping and dancing to um, concentrate on my professional life for a little bit. But during that time, I do want to like learn how to dance. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. It's a, because I can, I, my strength is that I interact with people well. And that's mostly what I do during my stripping and stuff. But I would like to have some moves. That would be cool. Just a couple. Probably... Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, so online content creation, when you started doing that, how's that been going for you? It's been going pretty well. Um, I don't know what I want to do with it is, is my thing. And I've always been a kind of person... Um, with like side hustles, I guess, outside of my career where I don't really have any clear goals um, or objectives <laughs> or anything. And I guess that's why I can kind of treat it like something that um, is expendable for me, which is a big luxury, I feel like. Um, but I, I really, I, I like the content creation and stuff, and, but I haven't done that many collabs, really. Um, I've enjoyed the ones I've done and I, I would like to do more, but... It's, it's also a time thing. Yep. You know, the people are saying a lot lately. Um, it's become like a, a meme almost. Like, a, you know, sex work is work. And it is. It's a lot of work. Yeah, if you want to make more than five bucks, like, you got to work. <laughs> yeah, like, preparing for a collab and stuff is rough. You know, and maybe, I guess these guys who do it all the time and stuff, it's they're they're much more streamlined and can and can do it on a on a you know a moment's notice and stuff but i i plan a collab like two months in advance you know because and i i do like one a month maybe you know um just because i i enjoy having my weekends to myself um and if i'm gonna am i back did i cut you're out back you okay did cool. for a moment but you're okay, back cool um i I need lots of time if I'm going to bottom. Um, you know, I started my Twitter and I made the handle dirty tatted top, you know, and ever since then, uh -huh. I've really regretted that because I have become less and less of, of that as this whole thing has, has happened. But when I made that, I was like a hundred percent top, but you know, people want to see me bottom and I'm for it. Like, I don't have any reservations about bottoming and stuff. So. Um, but it's, I don't know. I know that was a really scattered explanation of my whole relationship with like OnlyFans and content creation, but it, it's really been a thing where I don't have any 
goals, but I would like to get better at it. But first, I kind of need a little bit of time in terms of my professional life. But, um, but yeah, I, I have some exciting ones, I think, lined up. Um, I don't want to, like, promise anything that I don't deliver on, but um, I'm supposed to have one in the next month or two with Kane Marco. Nice. Um, and that would be really cool. Because he was, like, one of my first... I remember being, like, you know, a young gay and seeing him and, oh, my God, that's a daddy. And I think he was one of my, one of my first, like, realizations that <laughs> I was gay, I think. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be a cool one. But we'll see. Well, thanks for sharing all that. I love hearing that. It humanizes the whole thing. And that's, like, one of the big... You know, one of my big values in this show, too, is just, you know, humanizing sex workers a little bit, too. And, like, we're people. We get tired. We also, like, want a little bit of connection sometimes. Some people don't need that. Some people need it. But you brought up a really good point on the top. I've been having something like that. I used to feel so much pressure. I wasn't really out before my marriage. And then after, I felt all this pressure that I needed to be first. And, like, it's all about being versed. And, like, you hear that phrase, like, I'm versed because I'm an adult and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sucks. It sucks because, like, I have found a submissive side to me that I've been able to intertwine with my masculine side of my – and I find this, like, harsh, great masculine energy that can still be attached to being submissive in a bottom that I've just enjoyed. And then suddenly – I've had these feelings, these fleeting moments where I suddenly know how to be a dom that I didn't know how to be because I've been letting myself go and experiencing these things with other people. And I find myself wanting to top now when I was like, oh, I'm just a bottom. I'm not going to want to top. And so I think that stuff changes for everybody. I think we all go through phases. And as I talk to people, we're like, I was here at this point in my life and here at this point in my life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's not. I mean, it probably it probably shouldn't stay the same. You know what I mean? If you're right, if you know, if you're having new experiences all the time and stuff and um it's it's such a hard thing to be, because labels are useful you know what i mean like yeah you know it, it we have to be able to talk about stuff so we want to use words like top and bottom and stuff but that really doesn't express like like you said dominant bottom you know i i think a lot of people still don't really it, it's hard to to grasp i think and stuff you know what i mean um but that's the only way really that i can bottom actually is if i don't feel really submissive you know what i mean uh-huh like but if, if i feel like equal with the other guy and they're not treating me i don't know in a submissive way which there's nothing wrong with being treated in a submissive way but i can't for some reason there's something in my on my brain that doesn't allow me to to really enjoy it if i'm being treated like that you know um but if i'm being treated like an, an like a, a co-dom i guess with a guy or something i'm i i will totally bottom you know, so it's a it's a hard thing to to pin down and talk about why and, you know, and even like put a useful label on. Yeah, completely. Well, we also have those things like so much of arousal is mental. Like I've been yeah. telling people I'm like, I can top as long as there's an absence of pressure in the situation, because it doesn't matter if I've taken like Cialis if I suddenly feel like I have to top, my dick is gone. <laughs> like No. Yeah. Let me tell you a little story. Please so, I, as I've been doing this, I've been kind of taking bookings that sound new and interesting and, you know, new experiences for me. Um, so, this uh, great little company, this really nice guy, um, reached out to me and asked me if I would be one of the performers for a sex party. You know, and they would invite, you know, four or five other content creators there. And, you know, we would make the rounds, basically, you know, in a party of, I don't know, like 30 to 50 guys or something, you know. And I I consider myself a pretty confident top, actually, where I, I feel like I can perform pretty well, usually, without anything. But I will tell you, in this situation, for some reason, it was rough for me. You know, and I I think it's exactly what you were describing, that you have to perform now and you have to do this. You know what I mean? And this is the job. And it it was difficult. And I didn't expect it to be difficult. You know? And there there were, like, 
so many like perfectly attractive guys there and i felt awful occasionally because i just couldn't get it up you know for for, yeah. for a few of them and stuff and now i totally understand also why so many creators use uh things like trimix and stuff and uh, you know and other ways of of staying you know erect and whatever um because yeah there's it's difficult it is and then yeah. it just starts like a spiral in your head yeah like, yeah it, it, it only gets worse yeah it's wild then the more you think about it and focus on it the worse it gets and then you're like okay i gotta sit down for a little bit so that blood returns to other parts of my body and uh, yeah it's it's a thing so i would like to do one of those again and stuff because i don't think i was terrible at that but i definitely look back on it and i'm like man i would have like really liked to have tried something a little bit different <laughs> or you know i love that um, though that's such my favorite part of kink in general though is like if you stated your boundaries and everything was you know no one did anything wrong and within scope of what was agreed upon and you didn't like something i think it's a perfectly awesome skill to have to be like okay i didn't like this but i like this and this is how i do it different next time and i think so often in kink people either put themselves into situations they actually aren't comfortable with um, because they feel like from that gatekeeping kind of thing you were talking about, like they, they yeah. have to in order to be in this thing they want to be in. And that's not cool. Or they're like, Oh my God, this happened. It was terrible. And I'm never going to do anything again. <laughs> yeah. And, and that I'm like, it's always unfortunate when I see that extreme thing, because their feelings are valid, but I'm like, Oh, it's such a skill to like, sometimes dissect depending on the situation and the severity of it and just be like i don't know on the last episode we talked a little bit about like gray boundary crossing and like the importance of like okay everything was fine but like telling the other person i didn't like that <laughs> but nobody yeah. did anything wrong <laughs> right yeah and you know it's it's hard because people's egos are oftentimes attached to their sexualities and everything mm -hmm. and, and their performance so it's you don't want to sometimes say that, you know, because you don't want to hurt them and it's nothing with them at all. Right. You know, it's, it's just a thing where, you know, no matter who it was doing it, I wouldn't really like that. You know, something that's like taken a while for me because th there's something I would really like to enjoy, but for some reason I, I really can't, I actually don't like my nipples played with, you know, and that's such a thing for guys, you know, and I would love to be able to really enjoy it, but for, for some reason, my nipples are super sensitive, and even, like, a little bit of rough contact is painful. Yep. You know? Um, so, yeah, I, I would love to be able to enjoy it, and it's, you know, it's so hot, and I love doing it to other guys, but I just don't like it, you know? But it's hard to tell guys in the moment, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Yep, I yep. totally feel it. I'm actually pretty similar on my nipples. Mine's blowjobs. I Oh, really? I love huh. a good blowjob, and I've recently learned if I'm tied up or restrained a little, I was like, I'm not going to be able to stay hard. Well, apparently I do stay hard for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so that was a fun one to learn. But I typically, I just don't feel a lot from, but God damn it, do I love giving them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. That's been one of my things, too, like, in exploring my less dominant side. Oh, yeah, I'm all about sucking dick. It's for the some best. Reason. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. But I, I really do like uh, blowjobs, but I like really slow for some reason. And that's a thing that's, like, a, a thing that I got to communicate, like, don't go more than, like, I don't know. Don't go more than 60 strokes a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Like you can't go faster than that, or it I, hurts. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. I guess I'm. I guess my whole body is a little bit more sensitive and stuff um, than some people's and stuff. So if someone starts like going at me, I'm just. Like, Ugh. Do you have ADHD? Um, I don't know. I, I've never been diagnosed with it, but I I feel like I have a lot of the symptoms of it, but I've never been treated or anything. Do you? I do. Yeah, I've been treated for it my whole life, but uh, some of the sex stuff and sensitivity you're describing is actually common in people with ADHD. It's uh, 
there's just sensory processing things that can be different with people. And I'm not a doctor, so please don't take any of this as medical advice and consult your own doctor. There's my liability spiel. But from my own personal <laughs> experience and what I have discovered is there's a common theme with a lot of us being hypersensitive or hypo certain areas. Um, it's just uh, it seems to be common. So yeah, definitely something that I was just curious on when you mentioned that. I'm super sensitive on my nipples. They hurt. It hurts. It hurts more than it feels good. That's uh, so weird. You're the first other person I've talked to about this, and they've related to it. I feel like. Yeah, I like a little bit for a second, like maybe some tongue play on the nipple. Like yeah, that's what that. it is for me too. Just the uh, just tongue. Yeah. But like, I can't do nipple clamps or anything that's just it takes me beyond the pain threshold but i actually have a really low pain threshold like if i'm gonna get like the one time i played with a flogger i like a thud i don't like a sting um yeah and like i don't like hot wax but i loved being like restrained with an ice cube being ran over me or a feather like that's torture in the best way um <laughs> yeah and so but yeah it just i my nipples it's it's i'm hypersensitive there yeah, I've just tried the wax thing pretty recently for the first time, and I I need a lot of distance um, <laughs> to enjoy that one. Like, like anything closer than like a foot is is not good for me. Um, so yeah, but I I think I've heard something like that before in terms of sensitivities. Like people who have different uh, or I guess neurodivergences, um, like being on the autistic spectrum or having mm -hmm. ADHD. Uh, yeah, process sensory things a little bit differently. So that would make sense if I had it, but I've, I've never been diagnosed or anything. Maybe I'm just, you know, making it through somehow. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, not but, everybody with it. A lot of people have figured out in their lives how to live with it or around it or work with it or that you end up in a job that caters to it. Um, yeah. Because in some ways it can be helpful depending on like the career you have too. And then others, you put someone in a white, box with no windows and ask them to make 100 phone calls in a day and that's just torture um, oh yeah yeah and so yeah really interesting stuff i love talking about neurodivergency especially in the pup community that's another thing is if you do find out and get into these communities ever you'll learn real quick that there's a lot of neurodivergent puppies out there too um, yeah and i think that's been one of my like something i do on instagram is if you are a pup you get an automatic follow back from me because I am, I'm, I'm very interested in pups because of that. I feel like um, I I've felt like really supported by the pup community throughout all of this. And they're a type of person that I don't know if I've had many bad experiences with, you know, I, yeah. I just genuinely really, really like the pup community. Um, whereas there are, there are other, I think communities that I've had, some negative experiences with kind of um a lot of them have to do with the whole gatekeeping thing but um no i just really like the pop community it's just it's so it blends into so many things and they've become aware of it and i've said this on the show before is yes i do recognize there's cats and lions and we talked about hyena and other personalities when i say pup community i'm still talking about the umbrella of like the pet kink however yeah. i identify in the pup world and i do find the pup world to be a little bit different than some of the other animals it's just a really playful headspace and hyenas kind of fit into that i kind of love that <laughs> yeah i don't when i when i do pup stuff i do go into kind of a headspace but it's not so much a headspace i think how i typically hear it described it's just i feel like more permission to be silly and stupid and you know act out impulses basically um when, when i do pup stuff but um, when I do hyena stuff, I don't have a fursuit and that's something I would really like to get in the next year. Um, but sometimes I do like a, a stripper number as a hyena kind of in my hyena per persona, sort of, I have a fur coat and I kind of, you know, make myself look as hyena as possible. And that's like a different side of me, I think too, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, like, like I said, all of this came out of out of um the like isolation and stuff during during covid i feel like and i i feel like it has as terrible as covid you know the early isolation stuff was um because i was stuck in ho in a hotel for the for the beginning of that whole thing um it gave me like permission to be creative i feel like yeah 
um, and to really go um, full internal, you know, looking at myself and everything and, and being interested in all of these things that I probably wouldn't have if I hadn't had this period of isolation. So um, it's been interesting, but I, I've really enjoyed it. And I'm curious to see how further all of this will go. I'd really like to do more like pup play stuff and, you know, maybe I'll talk to someone out here to see if we can get like a pup night because I bet there are more pups than I see. It takes you know? a minute to get the word out. I've noticed yeah. Well, then it starts going out. Cause like it starts with pup social. And so like we do at the Eagle, there's a pup social and a lot of the pups who aren't into moshing and into like the movie nights and that kind of stuff still come out to the social. And it's fun to see everybody in the same space. So the bar social seems to be kind of a hit here. So that might work for you guys over there. That sounds... So do you... Do you um, like direct or help with any events out there or anything? Or No. So I thought about it. I got invited to be on the board here. So I was in the wanted to be in the Oregon Leather Competition, which has close ties to the paw here. And that just fell apart with some drama earlier in the year. I still stay connected to our pup community. I just don't... I had a lot of trauma happen in one year and I was like, I don't have the mental headspace to like work with others in a, such a political way. Cause it, it's kind of ran like student government. If you were ever part of that. Yeah. And, okay. Like there's boards and things like that. However, I'm really interested in one of my goals for this year for Portland is I would like to run start bridge city kennel club and maybe take more of a production side of it. There's some pups down in San Francisco I've always been really inspired by. And I was just talking, one of the guests that'll be on the show too, I just met him today. He he is actually the producer for the horse market. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we just literally went out to breakfast this morning. He's going to be on the cruise I'm going on. So we met for the first time. And um, as I, it just makes me think, like I would love to run like a private party. One of my friends owns a club here. And we were talking about, like, I want to do a night there called Primal. And I just have to raise the funds to rent the space out. And then we can sell tickets and get really good DJs and stuff. We can't really have play places at our parties in Oregon, just the way the laws are set up. There's one place here that can do it. And I don't know. the They have special licensing for it. But it's definitely a little different than, like, San Francisco, where there's, like, yeah. here's a bar and a dance floor. And, oh, by the way, behind that curtain in that other room is a dark room. Like, that is yeah. super difficult to do. The laws surrounding stuff like that are so inconsistent, I feel like. And I, I never have a grasp on what I can and can't do at certain places. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, because there are, like in, in Cincinnati, I can't be bare ass anywhere, really. Yeah. You know? Um, but if I go to Cleveland, they'll bend the rules a little bit and they'll let me do that, you know? And even some of the, you know, I, I don't want to call them shadier, the... the, the um. I don't know, the more uh, liberal with that kind of thing uh, places will let you get a little more naked, you know? Uh Um, But I feel like it's always such a, how much can we bend the law and stuff like that? And I don't know. I am a a little bit nervous about being, uh, um, I guess, whenever they have an audit, you know, being caught doing something that they won't allow. But um, but in, so what are, in, in Portland, is it the same way where, uh, you can't be bare ass places, or is it? No, we're the strip club capital of the country, actually. Oh, right uh, on. We have like really good. We have there's like so many strip clubs here, and they come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. It's mostly female. Um, we have like two gay ones that are okay, and they're still it's still the business like you would expect for the strip club. But we just have a lot of it here, and they can be full nude. Um, a lot of like my friends who are strippers, the girls for this one here called Lucky Devil, they've been there for like half a decade and they love their job and so like you don't just like the strippers here remind me of hairstylists like they have their regulars that come in and talk about their life and like decompress and have a beer like it's pretty cool yeah it it feels like such a different thing than how people envision it when you say stripper mm-hmm. because I, I i told my mom recently what i do you know and her entire view of it is like you know she she comes from an era when if you're a stripper, you're a girl who's really down on her luck and needs to, to make some money to, to pay rent and stuff. So she was very concerned about me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like, no, that's not really what it is. It's kind of like a celebrated thing. It's 
it's a good thing. You know, and I, you know, like a lot of the guys who do it don't need the money. They're doing it on the side for fun, you know. Um, so I, exactly. I it's such a general, generationally different thing. But yeah, that's that's kind of interesting that it's such a embraced thing there. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love the whole coming out to your mom about being a sex worker, though. I just did that, too. Um, <laughs> oh, really? How'd that go for you? Fine. Yeah, she... Yeah. Kind of the same thing, different era. So I, it's more of a okay, that's nice. Just make sure your siblings don't really find out until way later because <laughs> they like they're all still under eighteen. And uh, oh, okay. yeah, my mom had three kids while I was in high school, and there's nobody in between. Um, and so, but I was like, that's understandable. But she honestly doesn't care, and I've been able to like explain things. Someone tried to blackmail me. They could figured out who my mom was and they're like i'm gonna tell your mom and i was like my mom already knows <laughs> so yeah I, I love that whole like blackmail thing like i'm gonna send your nudes to like go ahead i don't care like, <laughs> like fine <That's> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is an interesting one um uh, work i always get a little nervous of but for the most part like i feel like if you're gonna step into this work there's a sense of pride and risk that you're taking that you kind of just have to own. Like if you're going right. to do stuff like this and be paranoid about find out and what's going to happen, you don't at least have a script of your head of how you're going to handle that. If it was to happen, then I don't recommend getting into it in the first place. I, I totally agree because since the beginning of this, I've been prepared. I knew at some point someone would find out, you know, and I, I always said, you know, I'll deal with it when it happens. You know, yeah. I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm not doing anything that's in any way bad, I feel like. You know, there's nothing bad about it. Um, so when it, when it happens, it happens. And it happened this year, you know, and it was okay. And it kind of blew over really fast. It was gossip, you know, about me for a month, and then it went away. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's, something, yeah. Once everyone has gone home and Googled it on their spare time and gets it out of their system, then it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And now people make jokes about it. And I love that. And a few <laughs> of my coworkers actually came out to see me go go dance at a, at a recent thing and stuff. And I thought that was really fun. But, um, oh, what happened recently? So, um, I'm a healthcare worker, um, full disclosure. And, um, there was a nurse who, who came by who, does our difficult IV sticks for people who, you know, you can't find their veins or anything. That's me. Um, <laughs> hmm? Oh, are you a difficult stick? I am a difficult stick. Oh, yeah. So when someone comes by, I don't want to traumatize them. I'll just call this one nurse who, who can use ultrasound and, you know, do all these, you know, special things that I can't do. Um, but she comes by, and I guess she found out what I, what I do at some point. And she was doing something, some kind of special technique. Um, and I came by and was like, hey, can you show me that? And, and she was like, how much are you going to pay me? And I said, well, I'm sure I have a few ones somewhere. And she was like, oh, I'm sure you do. Like, <laughs> she knows <laughs> what I do now. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been funny, you know, having, having people in the workplace know it as kind of an open secret now. Yeah, you know? I feel um, that. That's kind of how it is at my job, too. Yeah. But are, pe are people supportive generally at your job? Yeah, like I, they are, and the my the company that is in my human life is is pretty pretty awesome. They're pretty supportive. My I try not to bring it to work just because it's just like I have a real concept around like your sexuality goes everywhere with you if you want it to, and as long as you feel safe, you can yeah. impose your sexuality on anybody the fuck you want. They don't get to say no to that. However. Your sexual behavior always requires consent, and that means talking about it, or people happen to overhear it or see it. It's not just about the people you're having sex with. All forms of sexual behavior require consent, and that doesn't necessarily go to work with you. So I try to avoid talking about it at work, but really similar to you, people know. And yeah. like, it's been this kind of like, oh yeah, I'm really excited about my podcast, and it's it's actually going well, but please don't go search for that. And if you do, just be ready. It's not work appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so mature. I really like that. I want to be like you when I grow up. Oh, thanks. That's such a mature it's... way of putting it, though. I really like that. <laughs> I It's scary, and I know it's privileged, and, you know, I am cisgendered and white, male, and, like, I do acknowledge, like, the some of the privilege that makes that a little less scary for me. 
Um, and other people yeah. wouldn't be able to do that, unfortunately. And I live in a city that's really privileged and also super open to gay people. And I think people in Portland forget a lot of the time how it's not like that everywhere else. And someone can't just do that. And I don't recommend taking that approach at work if it could get you fired. Like, please keep your secrets. Like, your income is something you need. And unfortunately, that's the world we live in. And slowly and surely, we will all change that. But, like, don't put your livelihood at risk out of pride if it's going to harm you is kind of, like, the advice I would give anybody listening on that. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's not really worth your livelihood right now. No. You know what I mean? Like, wait till it's in a, you're in a better place. And you will be in a better place is the thing, you know. There have been places where it would have been unwise for me to, to bring it up. And I would have suffered real financial consequences probably, you know. Um, and even talking to my... I've been changing units where I work. And I went and talked to my potential future supervisor. And he told me straight up, like... You know, there are going to be people here in your unit who who you are offensive to down to their core. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's, I think it's something, it's extremely unfortunate, obviously, but it's something good to keep in the back of your mind that even now still, you know, and we, we get in, us being pretty deep in our communities, I, I feel safe all the time. You know what I mean? And that's kind of an illusion. You know, uh, you're still not all safe all the time, you know, and there are still people who you existing is offensive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that's worth kind of like remembering sometimes, I think. Huh. You know? That's such good advice. I, I can relate when I, after my split and I wasn't, I was out ish, but not really. And did the hookup thing, but wasn't, I didn't really tell people. And then when I got into my last relationship, which eventually became my marriage is when I came out. So after we split up last summer, I've had this whole like coming out over again kind of thing. And there's a couple moments where I went out and I was feeling that illusion of safety that you were talking about. And I like, like one time I walked back to the car in my hood by myself in the middle of the night. And I like got to my car and I was like, that was stupid like that <laughs> actually kind of dangerous like to not have anybody around and i just take for granted sometimes that i'm just this six foot burly man and nothing can harm me and also had that safety of like that illusion i was feeling in the bar but then have to remember like out on a street in the middle of the night there's like you said there's those people where you offend them down to their core and like people need to stay safe and remember that that's not exactly how it is all the time unfortunately but safety comes first yeah it's you know it's dealing with the reality of the situation versus what we would like to be the reality of the situation and exactly just don't don't get hurt <laughs> and stuff so <laughs> But yeah, yeah no. it's, it's isn't it such a weird thing? Because I I feel so safe, you know, when I go to a gay club or a gay bar, you know, and you're there for hours, and you feel like you could basically do anything, you know, and well, that- you could express your sexuality however you want, you know, and then it's just bizarre for a day for me sometimes after I leave, that it's that's not real. Correct. You know what I mean, sort of. Or we I talk about think... that coming back from like festivals and and camping festivals. Or I'm sure when I get back from this cruise, is like I always call it reentry, and you have to. Oh like, yeah, I love that. Okay. Yeah, you're like it's reentry. Like you're coming back to like how the world actually is. And you also brought up another good point as to like when shootings happen at gay bars, why that hits our community so fucking hard is because I think a lot of us experience that safety that when you're in a gay space or a queer space, like a bar or anything. And when you hear something like that, that's happened to people, it hits all of us and like such a core level. And a lot, I don't think a lot of people really understand um, who just, who just don't understand or couldn't understand why that the ripple effects of that is so big. And you nailed it there when you were just talking about that safety. Yeah, it's, yeah, and I just, I, I wonder how much longer things like that will have to go on, but yeah, it's it's depressing, and honestly, I'm I'm someone who, all, you know, 
I don't know if all of my perspectives are really good. I'm going to start off saying with, with that right now, but I'm also a take care of your mental health first kind of person, uh-huh. even at the expense sometimes of being informed. And sometimes I won't read the news because I know my mental health can't take it. Yep. And stuff, you know what I mean? And I won't read gay news and stuff for a while because I know my mental health won't be able to take it, you know, and you know, you've got to kind of live your life at some point and, and take care of what's going on inside your head. You have to secure your own oxygen mask before you secure those around you. And if you're not taking care of yourself and your own mental health, you are no helpful to any of the world's problems by not coming to those problems prepared and, and healthy in all ways so that you can take on a part of it and the part that you can actually have impact. And the news does this thing where you're like taking it all in and there's no way you could ever have impact on all of that. And now you're like, your mind is trying to process these things that it normally never would have had to process that much information anywhere else in history. And it's a lot. So I think that's a really strong trait that you have there. Yeah. But it, you know, like lately because of what's been going on politically and stuff, I've actually been nervous about us losing ground in terms of rights. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, me too. <laughs> and, and a part of me doesn't know how, how realistic or possible that is. And a lot of me doesn't want to believe it's possible, but I, I don't know how, how worried to be um, because I am not the most politically educated person, um, but it makes me nervous. And, you know, I, I don't know really how to deal with it. I have no advice on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I just, I, I really hope we're not losing ground. Um, and everyone who is doing work to, to make sure that we are not, thank you from the bottom of my uneducated, ignorant heart. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a scary time because I feel like we might be going backwards a little bit, but yeah, I don't know if you feel like the same way. I do. Yeah, no, I've, I've felt it. And that's the thing is like, I live in one of those places where I feel a little shielded from it, to be honest with you, but I see it everywhere else. And I acknowledge that it's just it, we have slid backwards a little bit. The one that scared me the other day was I don't know if you saw or not, but Fox News decided to run a special one of the reporters caught wind that these two guys were doing pup play on Twitter and they had a couple pictures of them in their uniform. One even took like a formal picture with his badges on in his pup hood. And Fox decided to spin this into disgracing the military. Now I'm pretty sure one of them, I don't understand the whole situation was exposing himself in uniform and that in itself is its own. I don't know. I, that you can take that for what you want but the other one or just in general the way fox the way fox spun it is this like these freaks in pup gear pups are taking over the military um and they yeah. this whole disgusting thing on it and it it scared me like it I, actually yeah. kind of scared me a little and i was like oh my god the community suddenly is gonna like you just put a target on our backs and it was so uncomfortable Thank God it's kind of blowing over. But there is people making TikToks now who found the pup play hashtag that didn't even know it existed like a month ago and are kind of cyberbullying and attacking and making video. And like, I'm starting to see it. And I, and I blame Fox for that. And that, that stuff spooks me. I have not seen or heard about this. But yeah, like even aside, okay, aside from the whole is that right or wrong thing? Fox is reporting on it like it's news. You, you know what I mean? I think that's the thing that's like, that's so bizarre about it. Like, this is a small maybe issue with a few people, you know? And it's it's really, a lot of that stuff comes under command discretion. Uh, so, uh, like, it really, that's what you're going to report on as like a, as a major issue in our military and stuff. You know, that's that's, that's not an issue, I feel like. uh, I don't know. That stuff is really frustrating to me. Yeah, Um, it it is. Because it is, it is like picking one little thing to bully, you know. Um, But I remember you were talking about that video that I posted—the one of me like uh, being a pup stripper and stuff. And I remember I got a few comments on that that I was surprised about. And the one that like uh, that has stuck with me um, was something like, "This is why people think we are mentally." um 
I don't know what the word they used was. Um, like we're mentally ill as a community or something, you know? And that was coming within the gay community. Yep. I've you know, seen that. Like, and that, that's been upsetting to me too. So I'm said that to you, man. Oh, I'm, I'm totally, no, like there's nothing that actually harms me. It's, or like makes me feel bad. Really? It's, it just makes me um it makes me worried and makes me think about how systemic of a view that is and how how many people share that view and you know within the gay community and stuff um i don't know i feel like life should be so much easier <laughs> with right. you know like it it's even if you don't like even if you don't identify with it and you don't like it you can you can still just like don't I, I yuck don't, on someone else's yum. Yeah, I don't feel like there's a there's a reasonable way to see that and be so offended about it, you know. Um, but I I don't know. I boil it down a lot of times to some people lack curiosity and stuff. So I don't know if that's the best thing to do because it's kind of infantilizing people. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's just it's upsetting because I worry about the community and if it would harm other people. I guess more than what it actually makes me feel and stuff so those are all valid um for the sake of time i wanted to flip the script a little bit and give you the opportunity to ask me any questions that maybe you okay here's one that i thought of and we talked a little bit before full disclosure to listeners um you know about about things you've been asked a lot you know so here's one okay i don't know much about you actually okay um, and I know you, you've been talking, you've been saying that you had a divorce. Were you married to a man or a woman? I was I married was... to a man. Oh, yeah. okay. sorry. I, I wasn't, I, it wasn't clear to me. So I was oh, you're fine. sure and stuff. Um, and that was just a first like random question. Cause I didn't know, but, um, did you know, or did you have any inklings that you were a pup before you became a pup? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, did you have like symptoms of, of being a pup <laughs> before? Yeah, I did actually. So the first like, symptom was, yeah. was seeing it online from a friend who was just sharing it all over Facebook. And that's like to me, like walking into a nice restaurant in your kink gear. Like it's just there's different rooms on the internet for different things. And so even though I'm not offended in this room, when I saw it in that room, I was like, What are you doing, dude? And I was <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, does this is Facebook? Um yeah. and so I as a lot of people with kinks, like that first knee jerk reaction, I was like, What the fuck? And suddenly I found myself Googling more. And then it really started on TikTok. And I started following this guy, Lycos, down in Texas. Um, And I just thought he had this video that was really funny. And I had talked to my husband a little about it. And I was a little pup curious and nothing really happened. Well, then my husband started dating this guy. And he had just gotten into pup stuff. And he had bought me my hood and my collar so I could self-collar myself. And then the divorce happened, like maybe a week or two after that. Um, and so it was, it, wow. there was definitely some overlap where I was like, I was just so intrigued. I'm more intrigued by pack mentality. And I, you know what, now that I think about it, what really drew me in is during the last part of my marriage, when we were doing polyamory, I became obsessed with trying to understand the ethics and how to do polyamory the right way. And I dove really deep into books and then when I saw pups, there was this whole like pack mentality thing and role play in a group like that, that felt really fun to me. And it, like my first maybe symptom or the thing that was drawing me in was pack dynamics and this whole idea of like a nurturing alpha versus like a dick dom. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that was like really intriguing and like the power. And I've always felt this power with dogs and um yeah and this other personality came out which was really cool i love that it's it's interesting to me sometimes like how people like manifest it before they were the thing you know what i mean or before they put a label to it and stuff you know or if they had like things as a kid you know we hear in like in the furry community all the time like so many people had like awakenings with like disney's robin hood yeah and having a crush on that stupid sexy fox you know um stuff like that or if there were like if you like pretended you were a dog as a kid and stuff like that um but i love that stuff 
Oh, I did pretend to be a dog as a kid a lot, actually. A dog or a dinosaur, but, like, I definitely, <laughs> like, people were playing house. Uh-huh. And we were playing, like, either seals in the pool or dogs, not, like, the whole family structure of, like, mom and dad and someone cooking like other kids were doing. Like, I was always a dog. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I never really thought about that until you just said this. But I was always the volunteer. Like, I'll be the dog. Like, you're going to be mom. You're going to be dad. And here's here's Casey Tucker. Just like, I'm going to be a dog. (laughs) There we go. You were a lifelong pup. Maybe. Maybe it has always been there. (laughs) I'm excited for the cruise that's coming up, too. One of the themes is over the rainbow, and these guys are like, Tucker, would you mind being our Toto? <laughs> oh, that's like, beautiful. I love that. I'm so I, excited. Please, please post pictures of that. Oh, I bought a gimbal. I'm going to be making content and posting pictures, and <laughs> oh, good. I'm, I'm excited. super excited. Yeah. I, when, when is I it? It's, it's the Atlantis it. one, right? Yeah, I'm February 2nd. I want to do it again someday. I can already tell that I'm going to love it because I've made friends before it. Like, I went alone. This whole thing was, like, a really empowerment thing for me. I, yeah. like, drank a box of wine after my divorce and woke up with a trip to a cruise. Um, and <laughs> I stuck with it. <laughs> I stuck That's with awesome. the payment plan. And and I, I was going completely alone, but I managed to make friends in advance. And there just seems to be this really loving, nurturing. Like, the sex is there obviously it's five thousand yeah. something gay men on a boat duh. oh yeah you're gonna have sex you're gonna have sex like <laughs> that's gonna be a question for, that yeah. for a moment and just say like there's so much other energy that i'm getting out of this of just love and acceptance and joy and fun and i've never i'm so excited after like a lot of loss in one year that i've had like between death and just growth um I'm excited to go escape <laughs> for 12 days and just be in a different world because I've never done it that long before. And you said you're going to film some content and stuff? I'm hoping to. There's been some creators that have hit me up from like the group chats that are like, would love to film with you and blah, blah, blah. But we'll see when it gets there. Like people try to plan stuff in advance. And like, I feel like when you get on the boat, all that's just going to go out the window. So it's nice to have these connections ahead of time just in case it organically comes up. But I yeah. don't, it's like vacation too. So, and people are partying so who knows where they'll end up but i would like to do some content with like actual creators so that i don't have to blur their face out um right although some of that those videos i've stumbled upon are always really hot too someone just getting railed in the middle of a dance floor um (laughs) and so yeah it'll it'll be fun i got this new uh gimbal i'm excited about because it does this thing called active tracking and i kind of want to film some content where it can active track and the camera will move around a little bit, but then it's not just a completely stationary camera the whole time. Yeah. Where did you, did you get it off of their website or? I ordered it on of- Amazon. And then there's this other one that I'll tell you about. That I think creators could get really creative with. It's called the 360 Insta, but they're really nice one. And it, okay. you can, it records like a bubble around you at all times, but think going back later and grabbing the frame from anywhere in that bubble. It's not necessarily like you're trying to create VR. You can create like drone shots that are moving around you without a drone, just because of the way that it records. Oh, that's cool. And I thought about like pe- one of them that people did was like they jumped off a cliff and just chucked it down with the cliff and they went back and edited the video of them and it looks so no- dope. And I was like, that would be fun to toss around in a bed and just have, like, a drone flying around you while you're, like, banging. That would be cool. <laughs> oh, I really like that idea. Right? i got to look into some of these things because that's been something that's been, like, missing from my content. Only a few of mine have I had people filming. And obviously those are the better ones. But, you know, you never get the same, like, you never get the same quality if you don't have a filmer. Yep. I love yeah. filming, too. I haven't had the chance. I love it. If anyone out there wants me to just film, I am down to film. I just, I get off on it. I mean, I'm a little bit of a voyeur. It's fun. <laughs> well, there we go. Hit them up, guys. <sighs> well, thank you so much. Do you have any other questions or anything? No, we've gone a while, haven't we? We have. This has been a good okay. episode, and I really appreciate it. And at the end, I just want to give you a chance. Where can people find you? Where can people buy things from you? And what's oh, upcoming gosh. that they should look out for? Um. Okay, so my Instagram is Luca underscore Hunter underscore official. Uh, my Twitter handle is Dirty Tatted Top, uh, one word. Um, what other things are there? 
Uh, I'm on Facebook. It's just Luca Hunter. Um, and my OnlyFans is... Oh, God. Is my OnlyFans... What is my OnlyFans? I'm not sure. I'm subscribed. I should know this. <laughs> God, I don't know. It's... <laughs> um, go to my link tree on my Instagram and find my OnlyFans. It's, it's there. there. I don't... Link and profile. Know my... I don't know my Insta... I don't know my OnlyFans handle. It's... I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm trying to do more uh, high quality stuff coming up with, with content creators I really like. Um, because it is a lot about, for me, like the personalities and stuff. And I want to make content with yeah. people I, I like and I'm interested in. And, you know, you know, doing anything is easier when you like the person, for me at least. So, um, but that's all the stuff that's really exciting coming up for me. I got a nasty pig shoot coming up in February. Um, I got a few you know stripping gigs around ohio coming up in february um if people want to come to those the end of january just follow my instagram and i announce things like a week in advance um with all of my bookings and stuff so that that's about it for me yeah well fun uh well thanks everyone for listening and like it was a pleasure great getting to know you and having you on the show yeah thank you so much it was great getting to know you too who oh. knew you would be so charming oh. i knew though. i knew <laughs> uh, making me blush i have a hard time talking when i'm blushing it's always my sure sign of an like a dom too like i i i lose the ability to actually form a complete sentence and i just become this like comp- like you know the word hangry there's yeah. a word for horny and obedient because that's what happens to me it's like this combination of just horny obedience and i can't talk anymore like it's, it's, the words just go they're gone that is so uh sexy actually <laughs> oh my god Woof. <laughs> yeah, woof. All right. Do you have a good day? Thank you very much. You too.